Welcome to Relationship Mastery, a podcast for those who want to learn how to master the art of creating happy, healthy, and loving relationships. Please join me, Dell Lady Jones, and my co-host, Barry Selby, each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for a lively and informative conversation on everything to do with relationships. Hi, Barry. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again today. So following on from last episode where you mentioned and dropped a hint of upcoming attractions, you decide, we decided to do it today. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, my brain tends to work like that. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. so last time we talked, we were talking about overcoming limiting beliefs and we shared, and I think I shared that one of mine had been um, you know, public speaking, but it actually went even a little deeper than public speaking. For me, it was very much about um never putting myself out there again it was really i i you know never being visible and i had an experience as a child that i will share here where i absolutely can pinpoint that was a day where i said i will never ever make a fool of myself again i will never put mm-hmm. myself out there in front of people where they can laugh at me and um, and I think you know most people that have listened by now know my my childhood and how I grew up and you know I, I my father never acknowledged me as his child and I really sort of really became into my awareness when I was five years old and I started attending the village school where where he lived so I passed him on my way to school and he would always sort of you know I'd like sometimes see him standing on his front doorstep and I'd look in his direction, just hoping our eyes were gonna meet and they never did. (laughs) And I would play a game at school and I would spin around in the playground, just hoping he was peeking through the fence at me and he was never there. And so Mm -hmm. this was, you know, a really sort of painful thing of me because I just really truly believe that every father, and especially when I talk to the other children at school, they all seem to have fathers that lived at home with them and in houses where they had dinners together and things like that. And I really realized that I did not have that normal childhood. Um, so anyway, I again, I was just barely five years old, had probably been on, at school a very short time, but really feeling this loss of not having this man acknowledge me and the sort of envy of all the other kids that had fathers. So one day, Mrs. Roberts, <laughs> Mrs. Roberts, our school teacher, said, get dressed up nicely tomorrow. We've got a special visitor. So the next day we, you know, all were told to sit in a little circle around a chair and that this special visitor was going to be coming to talk to us. Anyway, this um, really lovely looking man came through the door and he was dressed in a suit and and I, I thought it was my father. I thought he'd got out of his mechanics overalls and got all dressed up in a suit to come and, you know, tell the other kids that he was my father. So I'm eagerly sitting in this little circle around this chair, you know, we're on the floor as as five-year-olds and this man is sitting on the chair. And I was so eager for him to just tell everybody who was my father. So at one point I sort of like did a little doggy act and I got on all fours and I sort of, you know, crawled over to him, crawled up on his lap. I think I licked his face and told him, told the whole class that he was my father that come to visit. <laughs> and this very nice man did not push me off his knee. He didn't do anything. He just probably sat there not knowing what, what the hell to do. But after he left, uh, Mrs. Roberts let me know 
very clearly, both verbally and physically, that um, I had embarrassed this nice man because of because I was a little bee, and um, and she took me into the cloakroom and she grabbed me by the hand and she swung me around and around and then let go of me. And I remember flying through the air and hitting my back on a, a steel post that was holding up the sink. And that winded me and I couldn't breathe. And I remember lying there on the floor thinking, I'm gonna die, <laughs> I can't get air into my lungs. And all the other kids are laughing. And I remember thinking in that moment, I will never ever risk this again. I mean, it literally, literally felt um, like, like I was gonna die. I mean, because truly that's how I felt. If I put myself out there, if I am that visible, like being on almost like on a stage, then the, the fallout of that could be life-threatening. And so I just became very introvert and very, um, didn't want to risk that ever again. And that's what I really saw that I had kept that story alive. And, you know, maybe as a child, it was necessary, but it's certainly, and maybe as a teenager, it was necessary given the circumstances of how we lived in a, a, a home, an aftercare home for a residential aftercare home for, for the people with mental disabilities. There was, there was safety in not being seen there too. But to carry that on through my life and never question it. I never questioned, and I knew where it came from. I was aware of it, but I didn't question it. And what I was, what we're talking about today is shame. And it was shame that kept that, kept me shut down in that way. Shame around having, you know, embarrassed this nice man. Shame about the circumstances of my birth. Shame about everything. And I let that shame absolutely run my life for, as I say, I'm 64. So that's a long time. That is, you know, um, two thirds of my life, hopefully, if I get to live the, the, the long life that women in my family tend to live, but that's two thirds of my life that I, I've let that shame hold me back. So that's what I really want to talk about today is, is shame. How is that holding you back? And, and really, did I have anything to be ashamed of? I was a, I was a five-year-old. I was an innocent little child. It's not like I did something as an adult that I had to go to prison for. It was just a, you know, just an innocence of a child. But we carry that with us, with us, and we let it dictate our lives. So, shame, Barry. <laughs> what can you talk to? What was that? Um... Well, I say, how can I follow that? Um, I'm just looking, thinking back on, I'm just because I know we're telling stories at this point. We'll talk about the solution in a minute. The only thing I'm thinking of as I'm looking back at my own childhood and upbringing was a couple of instances I remember vividly where I felt ashamed, felt ashamed. one for myself and one for my family. Um, one, And this is nothing to the degree that you went through, but the thing I want to say about shame is it doesn't have a scale or a spectrum. Yeah. We can feel ashamed and, 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 on any level from something small to large. Absolutely. Sorry, and we're never, in, we're never in comparison. People's experiences are their experiences right. and there's no better or less than your, your, your feelings are warranted and, 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 you know, you never have to compare yourself to others. So absolutely. Right. So one instance that I remember very vividly now, although I'm trying to remember, I was, I was about eight or nine at the time 
was I decided that I was very, uh, I was fixated on PES dispensers. That was my, that was one of my things when I was a young kid. I wanted one of those things because it was mechanical. It was cool. It was like, it was, it was like physical, it was very, very engineering thing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get one. Like I wasn't able to get one, wasn't allowed to have one, but it, I can't believe the reason why I didn't get one, you know, from pocket money. Mm-hmm. But I, I stole one out of a candy store, a sweet store back in England. Yeah. And I remember coming home and being kind of bold about it so that my dad saw me with it and he knew mm-hmm. I hadn't bought it. And so he, in no uncertain terms, told me I have to take it back. I have to tell the shopkeeper that I basically I stole it and give it back and, and take the punishment, whatever it was. I was so ashamed that I'd been caught in the act that I was actually, un- I was actually not willing to take it back. I actually buried it in the garden. <laughs> so I was, so I was in my hands. No, it's, and it's like, as I'm saying, it's like this thing about shame. It comes in different ways, different flavors. Yeah. And so for me, that experience and, and back then, first of all, I never did go back to the shopkeeper. I lied mm-hmm. to my dad that I had. You know, I mean, I made, I, I compounded this one simple quote mistake with a mm-hmm. multitude of layers of coatings of paint to hide it, to to um, pretend it didn't happen or to make it look like it was complete. Mm-hmm. But I carried that for a while. And the thing for me was ultimately, and this is the thing that's interesting. I won't say it's the reason why, but it certainly has made me very honest in my <laughs> shopping and interactions. Like, you know, if I get something, I've, I've gotten deals before, but if I get something where I walked out the store and like they didn't register something, I'll take it back and make sure it's okay. Like this part of me is wired that way now because I had to make up for that guilt. What yeah. I care from back then. So it has that benefit in a sense. Yeah. The, other, the other instance about shame, and this has actually happened in my teens. And it wasn't, and it's funny because, and I'll talk about, I talk about this thing in my work about how shame and blame are two sides of the same coin in a way. Because shame is internal, whereas blame is external, so in a sense, and we blame other people, but we feel shame ourselves. And something happened in my teens where my dad did something at work that got him in trouble. And his act, and my, what happened was my mum got so upset because he was the breadwinner. My mum was going like, you know, how dare he risk the income of the family by doing something so stupid? And I got so, and it's interesting, I took it on personally for some degree, even though it wasn't me that did it, it was my dad that did it, but I felt ashamed of our family because something yeah. like that had happened. Yeah. And the good news was everything worked out and we were fine. But the moment in time that happened, that that interval stuck in my head and it got in the way of me in a lot of ways moving forward. So shame has, again, different flavors, different aspects, different scales, different magnitudes, but it has a way of getting inside of us and it can hold us back from living a life fully. Mm-hmm. So you were saying exactly the same thing. Your the impact on your life was 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 very evident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But so, I want to go back to something you just said because it's really really important too. We often, as young children, do take on our our, our parents' shame. We just do. Yeah. It's not even we're consciously going. Oh well, it's you know it's our family. Is we we feel that shame that our parents feel and it yep. can sometimes you know we we pick up on it and we internalize it and we had nothing to do with it so i know exactly. for me it was exactly the same thing i was i had shame around you know the circumstances of my birth um you know i i just did i don't you think no control. Yeah. i had no control over it but i led my life in a very 
moral way, you know, to make up for the embarrassment of of the of the acts of my parents. I was like, well, I'm nothing to do with that. I don't do that, you know. And I I, I was being reactive to it because it was so painful as a child, you know, with this sort of public shame that I again protected myself, just like you said you did. You 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 became very to avoid ever being in that situation again, you became squeaky clean. Barry's not going to nick the... <laughs> That's true. And I was going to be... Funny. I was like, and I wanted to avoid shame too. I mean, I was talking about mm -hmm. it with my son over the weekend. He was he was confessing to a few of the things he did as a teenager. And I was like, God, I never, I never stole candy from the from the you know sweet shop. I mm. I was really I was the good little girl, um, because again, it's like my my bucket could not contain any more shame. It was like I better avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Um, I Absolutely. think my sister, even when we would scrump apples, you know, I would like she'd run away, and I'd like the farmer would be there, and I'd be just standing there, like you know, with the, with the apples in my hand and probably peed my pants out Gross. of fear and didn't run and didn't do anything. Yeah. So um, it's just interesting. It's so interesting. Um, but again, what you were saying, I love what you said about shame being the, the other side of the coin of blame. But also, yeah. I just give a little, um, you know, uh, what we say about shame. Shame is not about an action we've done. That sort of like um, embarrassment, that's, um, you know, uh, regret, there's all those things. Shame is is a deep-seated belief that it's not that we did something wrong, it's that we are wrong. There's something wrong with us. And that's the difference. That toxic shame of we are, you know, um, basically um, born different or faulty or or there's something wrong with us internally that can never be fixed. And as we all know, and you know, going on to the, as you were saying, the examples of how to overcome that, when we realize that that at our essence, it doesn't matter what's happened to us as children. And certainly there was more than just that example I shared. And a, a lot of times when we've been, you know, abused sexually, we often feel shame about that too. We feel that it was our yeah. fault, we asked for it, we made it happen. But when we realize that we are these magnificent spiritual beings having this human experience and that we are 99% spiritual, as I like to say, 1% human, and that's not to mm -hmm. put down our humanness. It's, our humanness is fabulous and wonderful, and there's no spiritual bypass here. There's a reason we came down onto this earth to have the human experience. It's not to deny it and sort of you know walk around like this and keep doing the spiritual bypass it's to but in situations like this especially around shame especially around abuse and abandonment and neglect where we often blame ourselves when we understand that whatever happened to us in the circumstances of our childhood it may have impacted that physical child that physical form it has an impact on it but it never broke our spirit it never damaged us or broke who we are at our essence and that is so much bigger than those events. And when we look in that direction, that's where we heal. And that's where we heal our shame, is to keep focusing on, on the spiritual truth of who we are. Then what we do is we get to reparent that beautiful, innocent little child and you know, lovingly protect them and nurture them and love them and give them what they didn't have as a child. 
and mm -hmm. let them know that they are shameless. There's no shame in them. They don't do anything to ask for anything that happened. And when we reparent them that way, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. And um, people heal. People heal from things that they don't think they could ever heal from. One of the, one of the biggest gifts, I feel like, we, when we do this work, when I do this work, we do this work with our clients, is the experience of having them see the reality of what happened versus the illusion they've been carrying around for many years. Mm -hmm. And to actually look through the lens of clarity and see their younger self being innocent of all charges, so to speak, you know, they've been exonerated when they start seeing their child as they, themselves as they really were, that what they took on as a belief system was totally false and not needed. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to fix. It's really just a matter of saying, you know what, that's not you. You can let go of it. And the, and the, the, the openness and the freedom that, that they experience is such a gift to witness and be a gift to serve that they really do start to recognize that they are free to be shameless and free and whole again, because yeah. they never were anything but that, but they just believe they weren't. Exactly. So absolutely, it's vital. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, I mean, I love what you're saying. It's not, we're not healing people. We're not fixing them. We're pointing them back to the truth of who they are, which is that they were always whole and complete. There was never anything wrong with them. And unfortunately, life can be very cruel at times and things can happen in this, what we I call the physical world of form, and you know mm -hmm. we're not denying that, and and that you know we we're not denying that, and that it takes some very deep work for some people that have suffered some horrendous trauma to really um, work through it, let it go, and focus on um, on the health that's within all of us and the resilience, and um, and so it's it's beautiful work and it's 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 very rewarding. As you said, and yeah. um, because we have hope for our clients, we know that nobody is is beyond um, seeing something differently. When they look in a different direction, right. they see something differently, and that all that takes is saying, "Oh my God, I, I understand." You know, this, it wasn't me. It's nothing to do with me. And often perpetrators, um, they they're the ones that are shameless, and they're the ones that are are sort of inflicting their shame because they don't won't admit their own shame onto that child you know then that's why the child feels it and absorbs this shameful um feeling is because it's come from the perpetrator so yeah in fact the the way i remember hearing it once in some years ago they talked about how you know only good people feel guilt and feel shame bad mm -hmm. people don't care yeah, just like the sense of like you know, like you know, they sort of they joke about it's like, it's like a bad person's like, I kill them, I'll kill them again. You know, it's like they have, they have no fear, they have no no um, um what's the word? Rip, rip, rip. Yeah, they don't they don't they don't sense any any sense of guilt, shame, or any of that stuff. They just go, I don't care. And mm -hmm. so, if you're carrying shame in your life, underneath it, you know you're a good person. So that's so. First of all, don't mm -hmm. judge yourself as a bad person because you are a good person because only good people feel shame unfortunately yeah. yeah so true and i love you saying that because yeah as you know a lot of my clients are dealing with as well as childhood trauma but um codependency and narcissistic abuse and you know i'll often yeah. get clients come to me and they'll say do you think i'm a narcissist and i'm like simple fact you're asking that shows me you're not a narcissist because the narcissist right. is, exactly. is shameless they would never self-reflect like that. They always do what you said, which is the other side of the coin, which is to blame, mm -hmm. to blame everybody right. for their actions and their behavior. 
And yes, as you said, they, they, they lack empathy. They do not have a conscience. And especially when you start getting into the sociopaths and the psychopaths, there is no conscience. People are just objects to use to serve them. They're often the abusers are, are, are narcissists. Um, they, they see a child as, as just another thing to serve them. It doesn't occur to them that their behavior is, you know, horrendously painful and damaging to a child. They, they, they just do what they do because um, it's all about them mm -hmm. serving their needs and themselves. So yes, it's, um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to, as you say, remind yourself the simple fact that you carry shame means that you have a conscience, that you're a wonderful human being that has the ability to self-reflect and to look at their behaviors and go, you know, is this appropriate? Is this, is this damaging somebody else? Am I being selfish here to the point where there's okay being taken care of yourself, but when it's to the point that you're hurting other people and treating them like objects, then, you know, it's good to have a conscience. Absolutely. One of the gifts we bring in a lot of ways is the altitude. It's like we, we bring a level of perception for the client where they see themselves more clearly because most people we did ourselves when we're younger, can't see beyond our own limited viewpoint of the world. So we tend to, um, see only the, the negative because that's what we're stuck in the middle of and so to be able to step free of it to step above so to speak and look down from a higher place we can see how finite and how limited and how almost insignificant the true shame is that incident that thing we've tied ourselves to and when we see the difference between who we are and what that is we can walk free of it so easily that's the yeah. biggest gift again we don't heal our clients we just help them see themselves more clearly so yeah. they don't have that baggage anymore that's what yeah. it really is yeah, and you know it's coming up for me. I do this every show. It's like, oh, next show, <laughs> and I'm seeing is But I can see the next step is is forgiveness. It is forgiveness. It's that. It's that. You know, because yeah. right now we're basically saying, you know, you are not blameless, and I don't want to leave it with somebody just then feeling like, well, therefore I have to blame this person and this person because. Right. Yes, you give their shame back to them. Um, often they have come from a very damaged, hurt place too. It doesn't absolve what they did at all. You still can say this was totally unacceptable. But I also don't want people listening to get stuck in that, okay, um, you know, taking that blame to the point where they're holding on to that, that, that burning rock and hurting themselves further. So that is another right. show that we will do about forgiveness. Um, <laughs> not only forgiveness of ourselves, but others too. We know that one very well. Yeah. But back to shame again. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, again, that distinction between healthy embarrassment, healthy regret, um, um, all those things are healthy. It's what, it's what keeps us, you know, being conscious sort of human beings and, and fellow walkers on this planet that we have some type of um you know inner compass that says oops you know you shouldn't have done that or you know so it helps us take responsibility but shame is a yeah. whole bag of tricks that one is does not help anybody no and it's, it's a quagmire it's almost like quicksand you get sucked into it and you can't get out of it until you really again altitude the thing is for me with with shame is the number of people on the planet who carry that love of shame on some degree some way shape or form is immense Mm -hmm. So anybody who feels like the the only one feeling shame, 
sorry to break burst your bubble, but truth is you're not alone, which is good news actually. But also there is hope for you, there is opportunity for you. And yeah, I agree with you that in the next episode, not this one, but certainly another episode, we'll talk about forgiveness, which is one of the biggest gifts, one of the biggest um, cures to what ails us in terms of emotional baggage and emotional wounding. So recognizing that shame is one of the pieces. There are other pieces too. We talked about, like I said earlier, about you know, blame and shame being two sides of the same coin in a way. They are mm -hmm. internal stuff we carry, but also we do carry stuff about other people. And forgiveness works for both. Again, we'll talk about that next time. I'm going to get into it now. But a couple of things I'm going to throw in there as well is, and I talk about these, I, I've joked around saying these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is blame, shame, guilt, and resentment. Because all four of those things are either self-inflicted or outer-inflicted that keep us separate and keep us hurt and keep us wounded. Yeah. And shame is one of the biggest ones, which is why we're talking about it here. But I want to let people know there are other um, flavors of things we do to, to limit ourselves and wound ourselves. And shame perhaps is the biggest one of them because it is such a debilitating experience, an emotional experience. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it is. It's And, and it doesn't serve anyone. I mean, that's the thing. No. I mean, when you've genuinely done something wrong and you can own it and apologize and be free of it and carry on in your life, that's that's healthy, wonderful behavior. But shame is something it's like, is that it sits within us. It's that pocket. It's festering. And it's all it's doing is destroying you. It, it, has, it serves zero purpose whatsoever. Doesn't make you a better person. As we said, you know, shameful people that feel ashamed are already great people because they actually have the ability to self-reflect and, and question their behavior. But, um, but yeah, mm -hmm. it does not serve anyone. And the good news is that we can help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, anything else to add to the show or is it going to be a teeny little shorter one? This I, think I think we covered it. I think that's covered it. There's enough, there's enough here for people to have food for thought, definitely. And definitely, I think there's going to be some questions that may come up with this. And by the way, just a quick aside, if you've listened to our podcast for a while and you have thoughts and ideas or we provoke questions in you, feel free to reach out to us and let us know because, frankly, we don't want to speak. We're not speaking in a vacuum here. Mm -hmm. What we're sharing is landing for you and you're getting insights and ideas. And if you have questions or thoughts, reach out to us and let us know because this one particularly can be an evocative topic. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Barry. That was another great conversation. And thank you, everyone else. It was lovely to have you join us again. And we will see you next week. I mean, deal and need. Take care of yourselves. Yes. Wonderful. Bye-bye. We trust you enjoyed this episode and invite you to share this with your friends and loved ones. In fact, please subscribe to our Relationship Mastery podcast. That way you'll get each new episode fresh and shiny as soon as it is released. We'd love to hear from you as well. So go ahead and enter your questions and comments at relationshipmastery.show. Take good care. We will connect with you in our next episode of Relationship Mastery.